0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Happy Friday, everybody. It's time for Options Action. Here's what we've got tonight on the show.
2: Coming up on the big show tonight... Controversy after a report about a big bet from the world's biggest hedge fund. Dan Nathan outlines how to play it from home. Then, Carterworth is looking at one stock that could be coming back from the dead. Plus, you should have seen what happened at the Tesla Cybertruck debut. Mike Coe has a strategy to capitalize on that sinking feeling. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts now.
1: We kick things off tonight with the headline that rocked Wall Street. The Journal reporting the world's largest hedge fund just bet more than a billion dollars on a market pullback. But Ray Dalio, founder of Bridgewater Associates, says that's not exactly the case. In fact, Dalio fired back at the Journal in a series of tweets saying uh, to convey us as having a bear's view of the stock market would be misleading. Well, the whole back and forth got us thinking. If you're betting on a pullback, what is the best way to play it right now? Dan has got some ideas, so let's get in the money,
3: Dan. Yeah, it really depends on time horizon. And I think that, you know, whether it's true or not, I mean, I'm sure that Bridgewater is engaged in lots of options trading all the re- all the time around a lot of their positions. It could be hedging. It could be directional. Who knows what the heck it is? But, you know, it, you know, when you think about a headline like that, that a lot of traders and a lot of investors were talking about, it gets me thinking about, well, let's look at the pricing of options right now a little bit. And, you know, with the stock market teetering at all-time highs here, it's up, what, 9% since the start of October. We have a little more than one month left in the year. There's a chart right there of implied volatility in the SPY. That's the ETF that tracks the um, S&P 500. And you see that it's trading near one-year lows. That's the price of options right there. And if you look at those spikes over the last year, I think that uh, viewers of the show will also kind of understand that those spikes correspond with declines in the S&P and the value of the index. And so, you know... I don't know what's going to happen between now and the end of the year. Things seem pretty constructive. It seems like the trade war at least is kind of off the headlines for now. But who knows? I mean, the market is not reacting too negatively to that sort of thing. But we do know there's a December 15th. Tariff deadline, and I don't know what's going to happen there. That chart right there—that's the one-year chart. We've made a series of higher lows, if you see that. And I think I used a line right there on that uptrend that Carter may like. I used the 150-day moving average. Isn't that your number? That's the Th- one to you. That's your number. And if you look at that, it actually corresponds right with that uptrend down to about 295. So the way I'm thinking about this is, if you've enjoyed really nice gains in the stock market this year, but you also have the memory of the Q4 decline last year. And you're saying to yourself, how can I protect my portfolio or how could I profit from, let's say, a, a decline, an unexpected decline in the SP 500 between now and year end? You could actually look out to December 31st <laughs> expiration options. They have them here, they call them the quarterlies here. And with the stock, the ETF trading at 310 today, you could look to buy the December 31st, 310 295 put spread, paying $3 for that, buying one of the 310 puts for 450 selling one of the 295 puts at a dollar fifty your max cost is three bucks that's two percent of the underlying price for the next five weeks It breaks even down at 307 and you can make up to 12 between 307 and 295 again 295 is that technical support level that corresponds with the uptrend and the 150 day moving average and the way I think about it that's some pretty cheap protection it's about one percent of the ETF price for the next five weeks so if you're If that headline today got you thinking about how do I protect the portfolio or things are too complacent, I think this is one way to do it.
4: Uh, There's two things I would say about the trade. First of all, I think that it obviously is a fairly attractive level to get in. We obviously are very close to these uh, all-time highs right here. If you're coming in Monday and you're thinking, okay, when do I want to hedge? From a tactical point of view, and hedging should be a tactical activity, and the reason is because you're paying an insurance premium, and much like you pay the insurance premium on your car, you're hoping it never pays off. Here you're insuring your equity portfolio, you're kind of hoping it doesn't pay off. How much will it pay you? You're spending 1%. If the market declines, it can be worth as much as 5%. So if you think about it this way, let's say we had a seven percent decline by the end of December. What has happened is you have saved yourself four percent of that seven percent decline. So most of it. Uh, obviously, if you have a really big washout like we saw in Q4 of last year, this isn't really what you're looking for. You'd look for either a wider spread or something further out of the money with a bigger sort of a payoff. But I will say premiums are low. The market has you know, been pretty unabashedly bullish. So it's not a bad time, I would think. I, by the way, am long put spreads in December. I am long put spreads in January as well on both the S&P and the NASDAQ.
1: How does the chart look given seasonality, which should be positive going to the end of the year? So
5: if you think about, it, if you look at all Q4 data, 1928 to present, uh, 4.5% is the average gain. We're already up 5, right, and we have a month to go. So does that mean that we should rest or that maybe we're going to be up 7 Independent of that, what we do know is that the condition is fairly steep and uncorrected, right? Your s and up seven weeks in a row, and this week it was down. Apple was up eight weeks in a row, and this week it's down. The Russell's now down two weeks in a row. The S&P 500 consumer sector is now down three weeks in a row, meaning it's from a hugely overbought circumstance that you either rest or you sell off, meaning you resolve uh, a, a too-far, too-fast condition by time or price. So you can either back and fill time or you give back. But either of those seem likely, rather than the third scenario, which is just to keep on ticking higher. Ten weeks in a row, 15 weeks in a row, it doesn't work like that.
3: Yeah, it might makes a good point. A, you do want to be tactical. You don't want to continue every five weeks paying one percent to ensure your portfolio. That'd be a huge drag. And then the other point is, is that if you just think you're going to have the sort of garden variety sell off that we've had over highs, which have been about six or seven percent, then you want to use a spread. But if you thought we were going to go much lower, you would not sell that downside put because just buying the three ten put at four and a half bucks, that's one and a half percent. You know, I mean, it's just not that big of a deal. But to me, I think what the selling the downside. I'd put at a level where there's good technical support, you're basically going to um, offset some decay that you would have at that near the money put.
1: All right, moving on. Energy may be getting a bump this month, but it's still been a rough year for the space. In fact, energy is the worst performing sector in 2019. It is only up around 5%, is the only sector in correction territory. But our chart master, Carter, here has been drilling down on one big bright spot energy patch. So why
5: don't you head over to the cloud and tell us what it is. You bet. So uh, all those things that Melissa said, of course, this is an unmitigated disaster. Everybody knows it. Energy is basically uh, down and to the right day after day, hour after hour, month after month. And yet there's a bit of developmental action in certain stocks. And one of them is Conoco. So here is a uh, 18 month chart of Conoco. No drawings, annotations, judgments by me. But I think the following lines, which are by me, uh, sell case. Now, when you have a downtrend like this, and you fail at the line, fail at the line, fail at the line, fail the line, and then if you're able to actually push above, but fail again, but hold, and then start to pivot back above the line, that sequence suggests that we're in the process of putting an important bottom. Let's look at another chart. Is it a head and shoulders bottom? It has all the look and feel of this kind of thing. With The prospects of something very important, if and as we press a little higher. Let's put them both together. There's your head and shoulders. There's John, It all suggests this kind of action. Good week this week as well. One or two more. Now, you could draw the lines that way, meaning we're working into the point where something's going to give. I think that something is going to be up, not down. And then finally this. Here is the same Conoco chart that we just looked at over and over and over, and here is its relative performance to the energy sector. And what you see is this, that we have this prior high, and we've yet to exceed it, right? We're still a little bit below that. But look at the relative high. We just made a new relative high this week that's very, very important. That is, uh, well, I like it a lot, Conoco on the long side.
1: All right, so Mike, what's the trade?
4: Yeah. So, you know, this is an interesting situation. Obviously, we we're talking about the market being uh, very close to its all time highs, energy in a very different place for sure. And of course, you know, lurking around the corner, if you're thinking about investing in this space is, you know, obviously the biggest issuance that's ever taken place, which is the Aramco deal, if it happens to happen, although that looks like it's going to be more local to me. That's one of the reasons why you might not see sort of the top get blown off of this necessarily. But this does seem to have found a little bit of a base here. So the trade I was looking at is not one we talk about a lot, but it has some characteristics I like. Specifically, I was looking at the January 60, December 62 diagonal call spread. So you're going to buy the January 60 call. That was around $2.65 when I was looking at this earlier today and sell the December 62s. Against it for $1. Net net, you're spending $1.65. Now, at the time that I looked at it, the stock was trading about $60.40. So it was actually slightly in the money. If we come in where we actually printed on the last today, which was just under 60, this thing will actually cost you a little bit less. Here's how this works. The decay on that nearer dated option is basically funding the purchase of the longer dated one. Unlike doing a straight calendar spread, however, because we are actually spending less than the distance between the strikes, this is a trade that will be profitable no matter how high the stock goes up. It will also be profitable if the stock just simply stays right here, because that near-dated option is going to decay completely and you're still going to own the longer-dated one. Uh, The only risk, of course, is if the bottom fell out of the stock, then you could lose all of the premium that you spent. Um, The nice thing about that, though, of course, is that another way to get similar characteristics would be to do a buy right, buy stock and sell calls, um, but then you're taking more risk. Why? Because you're buying a $60 stock, not a $1.65 spread.
3: So I never argue with Carter's charts, obviously. That looks like a nice bottoming process. What I think is really interesting, this stock is still down on the year, right? So what I think the the marrying your technical setup and your trade makes a lot of sense because you could see energy outperform in the new year. It might kind of muddle along a little bit, make up a little more progress. So Mike being long a January in the money, near the money call, but selling some out of the money premium to help finance maybe a late year rally or into the new year, I think makes a lot of uh, a lot of sense. I mean, energy is kind of a left-for-dead sort of thing. And you may see a dogs-of-the-dow sort of action early in January. That's right. And there's
5: two things. Our crude is held up, essentially, right? It's yeah. not at 45. It hasn't gone back to 50. It's kind of hanging in there, at one. And two, just long-term. We now know, right, that the sector is 4.2% of the S&P. At the absolute low in 99, when Cisco was worth more than any other company in the world, and energy was at 4.5, we're now below that level, and two stocks, of course, are half the weight. So you're not even talking about a sector. You're talking about two stocks, Exxon and Chevron, at 40% of the sector weight, and the sector itself is only 4.2% of the S&P. It wouldn't take a lot to just move it because people have abandoned it.
4: There are only three things that can happen to Conoco between now and the expiration of that first option. It can go higher, in which case this trade is profitable. It can stay here, in which case this trade is profitable. Or it could go down, in which case you're going to risk less than you would have if you had purchased the stock. So two things are good, and one's less bad. That's the way we like things to work here. All right.
1: For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can check out our super cool newsletter. In the meantime, here's what's coming up next.
2: Tesla's new Cybertruck reveal, failing to impress investors today. And if you're betting on an even rockier road ahead, our Mike Coe is laying out a more bulletproof way to play the stock. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my God. Well, maybe that was a
3: little too hard.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. What you just saw pretty much sums up how Tesla's big Cybertruck reveal went last night in Los Angeles. The unveiling didn't quite shatter investors' expectations, but it sure put a couple big cracks in the hype. Tesla's Cybertruck won't be ready until late 2021, according to CEO Elon Musk. But traders are already voicing their opinions on the angular auto. The stock down more than 6%, bringing the recent big rally to a screeching halt. So if you're looking for a way to play this stock now that the big reveal is out of the way, lucky you, Mike. Mike's over at the plaza with his call to action. Take it away, Mike.
4: Yeah, so we're going to take a look at selling a call spread on Tesla. Why would we be looking at a trade like this? Well, the first reason might be that Tesla, as it is currently priced, is fairly fully valued. Even net of today's decline, we should actually be drawing rather than putting a circle. We'll put a checkmark into that circle. It's about a $70 billion enterprise value. The second thing is, I don't need to tell anybody who saw the big reveal But it was a little bit of a mixed bag, shall we say. The styling isn't for everybody, and obviously the windows might need to be replaced under warranty. Finally, if you're going to lean against Tesla shares, it's a really dangerous stock to short. Anybody who has tried to knows that exceptionally well. Now, the reason the pickup reveal was so important is because it is an immensely large market. There was about 3 million just shy of that sold in 2018 they're very high margin vehicles and that's important for Tesla because they need something where they can actually start to make some money and sell a lot of them and it is an important segment for them because electric drivetrains, which have disadvantages related to battery weight but are beneficial in almost every other respect are well well suited to that segment so let's take a quick peek over here we can see obviously that the stock came very very close to approaching those highs that we saw back here. Remember the take private at 4.20 tweet that we got. That would be right around this level. But I think net of what we saw, we probably have a near-term top in here. And I will point out, by the way, that this is a trade that we're gonna be talking about here. So I was looking at December. You could sell the 350 calls, collect $14.40 for those, and then hedge your upside in case, in some way, you got another tweet that got the stock going markedly higher for $11.10. Net-net, <coughs> you're collecting $3.30 for a spread that could potentially be worth as much as 10. So about 33% of the distance between the strikes. The stock is well below that right now. So to lose money, it actually would need to rise. If it stays here, even if it goes up marginally or if it goes lower, this is a trade that's going to be profitable. I actually was short the, and am still, the uh, 365 calls, and I'm long some higher strike ones because I came in short call spreads going into last night's announcement. But this is a situation where if Tesla did everything right, they could make money. You could make $20,000 a truck. You could sell 300,000 trucks per year. That's 10% of the U.S. pickup market. That would justify the multiple pretty close. Anyway, you're talking about 12.5 times EBITDA if you got there. But we're probably not going to see that happen, I think, based on what we
3: saw last night.
1: Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade?
3: So the trade's really interesting. When you think about this stock, you had a chart up there. At one point, it was down nearly 50% on the year, and now it's rallied 80-some percent. It came in a little bit today. What does that mean? That means that all that volatility means really pumped up option prices. What is Mike trying to do right here? He's trying to play for this thing to just kind of go sideways or a little lower. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I like the risk-reward of taking in a third of the width of the spread. And, you know, a lot of good news is in this stock. I suspect it digests a little bit of that news over the next couple months, especially after last night.
5: Right. I mean, the, the word moonshot comes to mind. I think the S&P had a low on June 1st. Tesla's low was June 3rd. You're talking about going from 175 to 380, more than a double. And stocks that go too far too fast give back, whether it's the news of a broken window or not at some point, And the point is now it's uh, time to do something. And that's the point of this trade.
4: You know, I will say there were a lot of innovative characteristics of this you like truck.
1: This. You like this truck.
4: I ordered one. I ordered one. I think we know some other people. Maybe your household ordered one, too. <laughs> um, you know, this is, look, I love what Elon Musk is doing, and I love their products. That doesn't mean I have to love the stock. I actually want to see this company succeed. I want to see them sell some trucks. This is an important thing for everybody to see happen. But that doesn't mean the stock has to go to four hundred.
1: Up next, targets soaring after the retail giant hit the bullseye in its latest earnings report. We'll tell you what that means for one of our traders. Plus, it is Friday. You know what that means. Tweet us your burning questions, at options action, and you might just get your answer on the air. We're live from the Nasdaq overlooking Times Square in New York City. Much more options action. Up next.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC business news updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Dan bet on Target missing the mark on earnings.
3: Look at that five-year base that it broke out of. I suspect that that level in the mid-80s is going to be significant technical support for a while. But my trade thinking about next week's earnings in particular is just that, listen, they're not going to be able to guide up the way that they did in August. I think that reset investors' expectations a little bit. You could buy the December 110 100-put spread, paying $2.50 for that.
1: Well, Target's up about 12% this week after smashing expectations and raising guidance. So how do you manage the trade, Dan?
3: Yeah, there's nothing to do. It's just flat out wrong on direction, flat out wrong on the fundamentals. I mean, this is a company that's obviously executing very well. Do you think about two consecutive quarters like they had, like the one in August where the stock was up 20% the next day on a beat and raise, and to be able to do it again a quarter later, it's just pretty astounding. But I think that's really important to remember that this trade idea was targeting a $10 move lower. It cost two and a half bucks. The stock rallied. 13. That's why when you're trying to be contrarian and especially be directional on the short side, I think it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense to define one's risk. And that, you know, is the only silver lining you could say about a bad call like this.
5: Yeah, I mean, you said it just like that. Sometimes you just get it wrong. We have thuds, all of us. We have them professionally, personally. The thing is also that it would happen in, in a week where consumer discretion was so bad. I mean, this is the third week in a row it's down. You've had big hits in Home Depot. And Walmart had a great number and couldn't even advance, and then here comes Target. So you move on.
1: All right, speaking of consumer discretionary, two weeks back, Owen Carter said the consumer discretionary sector might take a dip.
5: What we have here, and you can see it very clearly, is we have consistently come to life off this line, and now we have broken below uh, that relative line. And I think what's going to happen ultimately is that we break on an absolute basis as well.
4: I was looking at to January, the 121. 113 put spread that's an eight dollar put spread you could buy the higher strike put for three dollars sell the lower strike one for one
1: the xly is down about a percent closing in on that break-even level so uh, mike what do you do
4: yeah you know this actually goes to what dan was talking about earlier with his put spread why do you sell that lower strike one it actually can mitigate a lot of the decay that's exactly what has happened here right now as of the close that higher strike puts about 250 the lower strike one is about 60 cents what does that tell you this thing hasn't really decayed. We've had optionality. We've had a bearish bet on the consumer discretionary sector, and we really haven't spent anything yet. So the real question is, do we stay in that protective posture?
5: I think we do, and also the fact that it was able to go down, even with a big name like Target going up, further sort of supports the premise that something's not
1: right. All right. Up next, we got your tweets and a final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some of your tweets. And our first one asks thoughts on Halliburton. Carter, what do you think?
5: Well, uh, much like Conoco, the recent action is developmental, which is to say we know this stock peak as far back as 2014, around 75 bucks. It hit $16 just here in early August, the past summer, and starting to curl up. I would take a shot on the long side.
1: You agree, Mike? I would.
4: I own the stock, unfortunately, from much higher levels. I'm kind of reminded of uh, 2001 Space Odyssey with this stock, but I'm still in Halliburton.
1: All right. Time for the final call. Carter.
5: Well, there's so many things to do, but the truth is probably the best thing, if you want to be contrarian, is to do a little bit of energy, Halliburton or Conoco, and also
3: be short the SPY. Sell call spreads in Tesla.
1: Dan. Well, I'm
3: kind of with. Are you gonna turn your paper there. over to read I, it? I like. I like. <laughs> I like. This, I like spy between now and the end of the
1: year. All right, Mad Money starts right now. <laughs>